welcome back to the Living Out Love podcast. I'm Amy Hageman. Excited you're here. Okay, so last week was different and this week is different. Typically for these episodes, I have a very thorough outline, if not a word-by-word script that I have written well in advance. But today, from the first time ever, I am just going to talk to you as things come up. I want to sort of process out loud with you what has been going on. The same thing that um, that I channeled about last week with the difficult situation with my kid. Um, I just kind of want to, without sharing details what it's about, because it really doesn't matter, tell you, I, I'm going to call it a dark night of the soul. I hesitate to call it that because it's not even directly about me and because some people, when they experience a dark night of the soul, it's a much longer ordeal. I'm going to go ahead and use that phrase because I think for many of you, you've heard that phrase. It has cultural context. You know what I mean? And it is, I would say, an accurate reflection of the depth of my emotional pain. And so I just want to remind you and me, that when we experience an emotion, it, it is physically uncomfortable in our bodies. Emotions create feelings. It's a biological response in our body. We physically feel uncomfortable. So if you think about what it's like to feel joy or happy, you might sense that your body feels lighter, that you feel taller, you feel more expansive. If you think about what it's like to feel anger, you might sense um, a heat. Maybe for me, I feel a lot of anger in my brain, like in my prefrontal cortex. I also will feel it kind of everywhere, root chakra, my abdomen, just everywhere. So we have these feelings in our bodies. So when I say dark night of the soul represents my emotional pain, I'm literally saying the pain in my body of having to experience the emotions that have arisen because of this situation that I've been in. And the unfortunate thing about emotion is there are some emotions that we can intentionally create. We can do gratitude journals every day. We can focus on the things we need to focus on that would create motivation or joy or optimism. But there are some emotions that come up that we did not intentionally create, but the only way to process them is to feel them. I know someone who um, was pregnant with two children, twins, and one of them did not survive the pregnancy. And we were talking about how complex that emotional experience is Because you want to be really thrilled for the baby that you do have, but you're still feeling grief at the baby that didn't make it. And it can be very easy for us to judge ourselves. I should be feeling X, Y, Z. But I find that human emotion is really illogical. Sometimes we feel joy when we don't expect to feel joy. Sometimes we feel grief or anger or rage when we don't expect to feel grief or anger or rage. And then we judge ourselves and it becomes... A complicated cocktail of things that we have to sort out, but most of us don't sort out and we just suppress it. So 
back to this situation. I'm I've been feeling many things. <laughs> um despair, confusion, overwhelm. I've been I've been hijacked quite a lot, like emotionally hijacked. What's um that's a more scientific term for when we say triggered. Um hijacked is a, f- a few things happen. Sometimes you can be hijacked to the point that you're basically in fight, flight, or freeze response. But another thing that happens when we're emotionally hijacked is our brain tells us that we are alert and aware and focused. And we feel like we know exactly what's going on. But if we were to calm down, we would realize that that hyper alertness that we feel when we're hijacked is actually kind of a tunnel vision. So we are hyper aware and alert and focused, but only within like a three centimeter radius. Once we calm down and take a breath, we're able to widen the lens and get greater perspective. So that feeling of hijack can be very powerful because it has this hyper awareness aspect to it. And, and like, we're looking at it, we're seeing it, and we can take action. And this is what we're going to do. And this is often why we get, sometimes when we get super stressed or super um, hijacked, super angry, super stressed, super sad, whatever, we'll make decisions. And then in hindsight, we'll think, well, why didn't I think about that other thing? Or why didn't I think about the scheduling? That didn't really make sense. It's because when you are emotionally hijacked, when you're not calm in your body, you are experiencing a form of, t- of tunnel vision. Your perception is narrowed in. So that's been a part of my experience this week as I've been hijacked much more frequently than is typical for me. And I've had to do a lot of emotional processing um, in order to come out of that hijack. One of the things I've witnessed about myself this week is that rather than actually sit down and do the work, I mean, I'm... I'm certified in emotional intelligence coaching. I know my way around an emotion and I'm around an, a clearing of emotion process. I'm Five of them I'm pretty like pretty dang good at. And yet I never sat down and took the time to do them. Instead, I unloaded on my friends. Which in some ways was really lovely because your friends can often support you in a way that is loving and unique and nurturing differently than you can support yourself, especially if you're in a tunnel vision situation. But in hindsight, I really wish I had done both. Not only because I really dished on my friends this week, like they, they were super supportive. Nobody ever showed, um, you know, resentment or anything like that. However, it was a little bit unfair the amount of support I was asking of them, given that I know how to give it for myself. And it was so much more support than what I would typically ask of somebody. So that was enlightening for me of, okay, I need to go back to having a counselor or having a person that I can process this stuff through with. I really do value processing things out loud. I have a hard time doing that by myself. So I'm going to start looking now before anything else major comes up. I'm going to start looking now for, okay, who's my next counselor going to be? I had one for a number of years and unfortunately she passed away. um, Oh gosh, years ago now. 
And I've just been relying on my ability to talk to angels and talk to my parents and talk to my friends. And so it's dawning on me, okay, I need to get myself some more support. Because being a parent is complicated. Having adult friendships is complicated. Navigating, you know, the relationships of admin and teachers is complicated. Especially when we don't all have the same skill sets. We don't all communicate the same way. It's complicated. And sometimes me, given all my background, I have a lot of spiritual background. I have a lot of leadership and communication background, emotional intelligence. I think, well, I don't need help because look at all the skills that I have that I teach other people. So I don't need help. And maybe I don't. But, well, really, I, I think that I do need help. But also, if having help is going to make it easier for me to support myself and others in a situation, why would I deny myself that help? Why wouldn't I get the support? That's the more loving thing to do for me and for everybody that is relying on me to show up as my best self. So that was a pretty big you know, pretty good realization for me. Okay, I need to get refocused, rededicated to to finding somebody that I can process out loud with a trained professional, whether that's a therapist or a counselor, whatever that looks like. And then I also want to talk about what are some of the pleasant surprises of the situation I've been going through. That's, again, primarily resolves around one of my children in the school and normal childhood behavior that for lots of reasons, became a very big dramatic deal. One of the things that happened is I was feeling so hijacked. My brain was having a very hard time calming down and I wasn't sleeping. I just felt like I went to bed and my wheels were just spinning, 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 spinning. And I woke up and I had been in bed all night, but I did not feel rested. And it was, it was as if I could feel that my brain was already tired because it had never it had never put it down, um, which is not typical for me. Typically, I go to bed and I have very vivid dreams almost every night. It's a way that my guides communicate with me. It's a way I process stress. I'm a very vivid dreamer. So to wake up and have not dreamt, but to be feeling like I've been on a hamster wheel all night, that's highly unusual for me. And so the timing of this situation worked out that I was processing my parenting, um, my relationship with the school, my relationship with my child, the child's behavior, my thoughts about the child's behavior. Maybe I should be thinking about it differently. I mean, I was second guessing everything. And meanwhile, in my other job, if, if for those of you that have been listening for a long time, you may recall that I have another job. I'm a leadership development facilitator and we specialize in bringing leadership skills to multicultural organizations. Because P.S., it's a lot easier to lead when everybody looks and thinks and acts like you. And it's a whole different skill set when you've got diversity. So that's that's sort of our specialty. And I had been, separately from my personal life stuff, I had been really trying to figure out some my next level of growth in the multicultural leadership setting. And I was trying to figure out, 
I have to give this presentation and I've been doing all this research on a topic and I hadn't quite figured out what it meant to me. I knew how the topic was helpful and the research was helpful. I had some different ideas for the presentation I could give, but I really wanted to figure out what, what does this all mean? What does this mean for, for me? How am I different in knowing what I know now before I had done this research? And one of the interesting things is I was through this process with my child, I was learning that I need a process to embody anger of all the emotions on the emotional scale. I have a difficult time embodying anger. I feel I need permission. I feel I need a certain setting and type of space to just sit with the anger. And with anger specifically, I have a very hard time just sitting with it. I have to get it out. The way I like to get it out is to yell. That's the way that that feels the most comfortable. I don't like throwing things. I don't like hitting things, but I I the feeling of yelling feels really good to my body when I'm angry. It helps me get it out of my system. But that's not a socially acceptable way to, to feel angry. And so I have to arrange that to happen. And I was sort of figuring that out about myself during this process with my child of, oh, I need to learn. I need to set up a process for myself in which it is safe for me and others for me to yell so that I can feel the anger rather than suppress it. I've got to figure out a way to feel the anger because in the past, what I would have done is rather than feel anger, I would have jumped down the emotional scale to feeling guilt. I would have taken on responsibility for something that I was not responsible for. That has been my pattern for much of my life. Or I would have skipped up anger and tried to go to compassion. I would have tried to jump way too far and say, well, I don't just, I should not be angry about this thing because that person's only human and we're all just doing the best we can. And that's a wonderful place to be. There's nothing wrong with being in a compassionate place, but if you don't feel the anger first, then that emotion, that biological energy that's in your body gets suppressed And it is going to stay in your body in an inappropriate way. We are designed to feel the feeling so that the feeling can dissipate. So if I am not allowing myself to feel the anger, then it is going to get stuck somewhere else in my body because I have not allowed the feeling to have its natural dissipation. It has not run its course. So I needed to feel the anger before I could get to the compassion. That's a more honest journey. You have to feel the feeling where you're at before you can jump up the emotional scale. For those of you that are not familiar with the emotional scale, it's literally the vibration of the different feelings that we have. So down towards the bottom of the scale would be depression and misery. And towards the top of the scale would be euphoria, bliss. And then we have all the things in between, right? Rage, blame, joy, peace, happiness, you know, curiosity. They all have their different vibrations on the emotional scale. 
Um, I, I have, I'd have to look up the book if it's The Power of Force. I'd have to look it up. There was a book many, 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 many years ago where the author wrote, that's below 200. <laughs> and he's literally talking about the vibration below 200 um, being something that, that's not a goal, something we don't want to engage in. We need to feel the below 200 things, but we don't want to act from the below 200 place. We don't want to communicate from the below 200 place. I'll look up that book and put it in the show notes. So I digress. I was talking about feeling my feelings and realizing that I had this pattern with anger. And I've shared that before, that I have this pattern with anger where I don't want to feel it. And so I feel guilt instead, or I feel something else. But it was really hitting me that I'm not going to be able to be the full, healthy, best version of myself without being able to embody all of the emotions that us humans have. And then as I was processing about the anger, I was shifting roles. I was literally walking from one room to another. I had been talking to my friend and I was about to sit down at my desk and start working on the diversity leadership stuff when I realized that the anger was directly related to the problem I was trying to solve with the research and what it meant to me directly related this huge light bulb went off I was like oh what this means to me is I can get in line with this research if I'm allowing myself to embody the anger I would be a healthier adult in the framework of the research I was doing if I knew that anger was a sacred emotion I have the right to feel angry. It's not inappropriate for me to feel angry just because I'm, you know, a petite white woman doesn't mean I'm not allowed to feel angry. I'm a human. It's one of my emotions. I have the right to feel it regardless of what society says. And that's true for all of us. We all have emotions that our society says is appropriate, is inappropriate. Because I'm a white person, I have that privilege, I get to, I'm allowed to feel some emotion in public. Many people are not. Society would would shame other people for having emotion in public. So it has been a very (laughs) interesting process for me to realize because the universe brought the timing of the situation with my child to the forefront at the same time that I had been working on this leadership diversity research, it was such a blessing. It was a blessing that the two things occurred at the same time. Now, the leadership diversity research was not a problem. It was not a hijacked situation. It was an intellectual curiosity and a development for myself, like a personal development in the world of anti-racism. But it wasn't a problem. It wasn't a dark night of the soul. But the dark night of the soul helped me solve the problem, helped me dive deeper into the intellectual curiosity, which for me was just a very interesting surprise out of this situation. So what's the takeaway for you about that? Well, the takeaway is when we have dark nights of the soul, we are not going to be able to predict the blessings, but they will be there. We are just as blessed and loved in the dark as we are in the joy. 
and in the confidence and optimism. We're just as well taken care of. Perhaps we feel more connected, better able to predict the outcomes, more in line with the future outcomes when we are not feeling like we're in the middle of the depth of pain. But the blessings, the clarity, the healing, it's there for us no matter where we are in the emotional scale and no matter how long we've been there. And the universe loves to surprise us. Sort of that phrase, you know, that phrase, hold my beer. I feel like the universe does that all the time. We think what possible good is going to come from this? This was just hard for the sake of hard. And the universe says, oh yeah, watch this. Let me show you. So a few other things that came from this week. I've really, truly learned more about myself as a parent in a way where I get to rewrite my script. I, I often have a script of, I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to parenting. And through the process of this journey I've been on, I, I realize, all right, that is not an accurate script nearly as often as I've been using it. Maybe sometimes that's an accurate script, but I, I jump to that script way more often than is true or then serves me. It does not serve me to say, I don't know what I'm doing. It serves me to say, you know what? I do know what to do. I just don't want to do it because it's hard. I don't want to do it because I'm tired. But that's a more accurate description. Or I think I know what I'm doing. I'm not positive. So I'm going to support myself to get some help. Those are better thoughts. My script of, I don't know what I'm doing. It's an escapism. It's me giving myself permission to not do my best. And that's not who I want to be. Am I going to be at my best all day, every day? Absolutely not. But I don't want to let myself off the hook that easily. I would much rather say, I do know what to do in this situation, but I'm tired, so I'm not going to do it. I would rather actively choose out and know I chose out than by default say, oh, I just don't know how to parent. Oh, shucks. That's not going to serve me or my kid. There's a total different thing when you can go to someone and apologize and say, I just didn't know what to do. I really thought I did my best versus you know what? I did know what to do and I was just too tired and I didn't know how to support myself. And I'm sorry that I brought us both down. Which one of those has more integrity? So this process that I've been on, it's been, it has been interesting. My heart has hurt. My brain has hurt. My body has hurt. And I've learned to love myself in a way that is going to open the doors for me differently in the future. I've learned to love my kid in a way that is going to allow me to say, I do know what I'm doing. I do understand this child. 
I'm not constantly messing it up with her. And the wonderful, I can't, you know, without the details, maybe it's just silly, but the fact that this process I've been going through with my kid overlapped the process I've been going through with one of my work situations. It boggles my mind the way the universe brings that stuff together. It was exactly what I needed. It was the next step in my development, both in my personal life and in my professional life. The universe sees us as a whole person. The universe doesn't categorize things the way our brains do. We say, well, that's who I am at work and that's who I am at home. And the universe says, no, this is who you are. This is the next phase of your growth. And this growth shows up in all aspects of your life. Here, let us show you. Hold my beer. And I love that. So even though this has been an excruciating process, I mean, I haven't been this upset. I don't remember the last time I was this upset. Um, and I, honestly, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't even want to think about being this upset. But it's been such an excruciating process. And I'm so grateful for the process because of where it's brought me. So this is your reminder. This is my reminder that the dark nights of the soul serve us. And when they come, the timing is divine. It is not an accident. And who all is involved, the players in the situation, that is not an accident. This is here for you. This situation came up for me. And what helped me to get through it was to ask, what can I contribute to this situation? What am I innately gifted and talented at and skilled at and practiced at that I can contribute? That was step one. Step two is, what is this here for? What is this going to help me heal? How is this for me, for my healing, for my growth? What is this teaching me? The reason I say that step one is what am I here to contribute is because we have human egos and it's easier to start at step one. It just is. We're still in the tunnel vision. We're in the place of taking action. So we start in the action step. And then once you've sort of settled in, once you've calmed your body, once you've felt some feelings, then you can ask, how is this here to help me? How is this here to serve me? And if I am feeling broken, what needed to break in order to be rebuilt differently, better, stronger, more beautiful, more, more whole? How is this here for me? How is this situation going to grow my capacity to give and receive love? How is this situation going to grow my capacity to communicate effectively? to be in relationship effectively, to hold boundaries effectively, to feel my feelings effectively, to plan for the future effectively, whatever that looks like for you. When we have these dark nights of the soul, they are for us. We're complicated humans 
with these emotional cocktails and these crazy brains that are wonderful and beautiful and capable of rewiring themselves. And sometimes we need to unravel a little bit. And that's okay. But you'll be better off if you've supported yourself ahead of time in the unraveling. Whether that's your friends or a therapist or a channel where you're meditating, you're talking to your guides, whatever that support looks like for you. Build that support up now. If you're at a phase in life where everything's working as long as it's working, and if one person quits or if one person gets sick, everything's going to fall apart, then that's a wake-up call. While everything is working, get some padding in place. Get the bumpers on the the bowling lanes. How am I going to help myself if something falls apart? How am I going to prepare myself for the human experience that we know is going to happen at a time that I cannot predict? And then when it happens, remember that you're seeing tunnel vision. Feel your feelings. Try not to judge them. You're probably going to judge them. That's okay. Release your judgment of the feelings. Then release the feelings. And then get to a place of knowing this is here to help me. And asking, truly surrendering to the answer of how is this here to help me? What is this here to show me? Sometimes it will be all about you. Sometimes it will be only a little bit about you, but it will always be for you. All right. Thank you all so much for processing that. I hope this has been helpful um, and not too, you know, rambling all over the place. Yeah, it's going to be a good year, guys. Let's get to work. 